All right. What is this? Uh, so me, me and Miriam today. Um, but I think this is, I don't remember which number of podcast this is. We, we've been keeping up well now, but it is for uh, April. Um, months flying by and we hope everyone's months gone well. So Miriam, how are you? Inch Pesek. Shat loving. Shat loving. We are doing very well. Shat body. In Armenian, it's just a common greeting. You say inch pesek or won't say means how are you? And then she replied, Shadla, very well. Um, so very well. We'll we'll continue it. Um, and we'll we'll get into things. So today is April 24th. Now that really symbolizes something big in the Armenian community. Um, you know, Miriam's she's got her Armenian shirt on. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> I've got my flag back here. Um, but, you know, we're both from some uh, Armenian descent. She's fully uh, Armenian here, and I, I have some myself. So uh, we're going to talk about why this day is, is important, um, but also what that means uh, in, a, in a broader sense as well. So, Mariam, if you just want to explain what April 24th means for the Armenian community, um, that would be great. So, first of all, April is actually now recognized as Armenian Heritage or Armenian History Month. And this has been widely accepted in California and even now in Canada, I think, even though for them, I believe it's May that's Armenian History Month. But I read about that. It's still a strive towards progress. And so April 24th is essentially the date where we commemorate the Armenian Genocide because starting April 24th, 1915 is when, we can't say that's when the Armenian genocide started because there were already so many massacres that were committed by the The Ottoman massacres. There were countless others where hundreds of thousands of people died. But I mean, that day sort of marked the uh, official genocide, you know. Because this was when the Turkish government essentially created some sort of proclamation or enacted a law where all these Armenian intellectuals, elites, politicians, writers, doctors, scientists, they were all essentially meant to be arrested and murdered just for being Armenian. And so once again, people mark this as the beginning of the Armenian genocide, even though so many similar events were already occurring. But this is when we commemorate this I would say around seven year long historical event because it is said that the Armenian genocide started to end around, I believe the 1920s or so. It was, yeah, I mean, I think it's classified as 1915 to 1923. Um, Mm -hmm. Even after that, there was still a lot of uh, discrimination and, you know, killing that happened. I mean, things still occurred to this day. Absolutely. It's very much so an ongoing nightmare. I find it interesting that you chose to hit on how the intellectuals were rounded up right away. And that was one of the first things they did, because the thought is if you can erase the leaders in society, then there's not going to be able to be any planned like revolt against the systematic killings from the government. Um, But that is what happened in the genocide. It was systematic killings by the Ottoman Turk government. And it, ultimately killed 1.5 million Armenians with hundreds of thousands of others displaced, including both of our uh, ancestors here. 
Uh, but that that's the reason why we, re we remember this. It's for those lives lost and what now lives inside millions of descendants of the people um, who were displaced. Um, but we, we remember that. Uh, Miriam, why is it so important that we do remember that? So first of all, people don't understand just how horrific, this, you can't even say event because so much of what occurred in the past still occurs to the state, but people don't understand how horrifying the effects of Armenophobia or hatred towards Armenians is. And, you know, you read all these survivors' testimonies or you see all these photographs or all these videos and movies and historical records pertaining to the Armenian genocide. And one can't comprehend just how utterly atrocious it was. I mean, after all, it was what inspired the German or the Holocaust during World War II. And so first of all, it's very important that we acknowledge that such an event occurred because currently we have so many countries that are denying that something that was so well-documented in fact took place. That's a political thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in the same vein, it's also very important for us to actually learn about the past and so that we can stop it from actually once again occurring, but also to honor those that sacrificed themselves. Now, on a personal level, for you remembering this, it's not just today you remember it. It affects you all the time. There's something you mentioned to me, intergenerational trauma. Like, to touch on that. Like, do you think that's, that exists? Like, does, does this stick with you every single day? How, like, what, what sort of sparks you to remember it in your daily life? Oh boy. <laughs> generation to generation. So in so many ways, you feel as if you yourself have been through this event, even though you haven't, you've just heard about it, you've just read about it, but there's still that sort of pain, that sort of grief, that sort of mourning that forever lives in us, in us Armenians. That's why there's so much pain in our culture. It's really, it's really just, there's nothing like it. You feel such a sense of melancholy for what your ancestors went through and you feel very helpless because you can't do anything about the past we can only accept it and try not to repeat it but you just hear about what all these people experienced on death marches or being burnt alive or being enslaved or being displaced and first of all you feel horrible you feel a sense of survivor guilt for you you know receiving all these privileges and not having to go through the very same thing just because you were born in a different time and like a different family a different country and such but also you you are just so astounded that you hope you can do something but you really can't and for me you know i know how to describe it but for me this sort of survivor's guilt but also intergenerational trauma is really what propels me to live my life because it makes me want to make my life the very best that it can be for all my ancestors and for all the Armenians that suffered their very same fate. You know, if you can't die for Armenia, at least live for Armenia. That's what I tell myself. I can't really be a soldier right now, but I can fight through ever so many other sorts of wars. I can be what an Armenian genocide survivor's hope and dream would be. Absolutely. 
in the beginning of that, you kind of cut out, but I think we, we got your main point. Um, I don't feel like you should feel any guilt for being where you are now, though. Like you should almost maybe have you thought of picturing it as like, hey, I'm here. I'm in a good place now. I'm in the United States. I'm going to college. You know, I'm doing all this stuff. They they couldn't they couldn't get me like I'm still here. So maybe you should use that as like sort of like a confidence thing. You get what I'm saying? No, I definitely do. I understand. But like for so much of my life, it was something that gave me such an undescribable amount of pain and agony in my soul, in my heart. And nowadays, I really use that pain and turned it into power in a sense where I think about how lucky I am, how blessed we all are, how privileged we are to be alive. And, you know, to me, things that seem like things that should technically be suffering aren't really because I see it as a new opportunity. And I think to myself that if my ancestors were able to survive all that they did, then us Armenians, we can practically fight through anything. We can experience anything and still thrive. That's what we do best. Not only do we survive, but we thrive. Absolutely. That's why they wanted to erase us. Yeah. Yeah. They can't handle it. Exactly. It's awesome. Um, it's interesting to me how us Armenians, despite being so persecuted and oppressed all these years, that we've never done the same thing to our enemies. Well, I mean, it's very interesting because in the Ottoman Empire itself, Greeks and Armenians were very much so socioeconomic elites or really did ever so much to contribute to to society even though they were being oppressed. having to pay double taxes and being yeah. treated as second class citizens mm -hmm. constantly being turkicized having to pay you know their christian sons as a sort of tax for them to go enter the turkish army yet armenians greeks all these different other sorts of christian nationalities they did nothing but enrich the very culture that was oppressing them mm -hmm. find it ironic and now we're all over the place right all over the world <laughs> but you know it's interesting because my friend was telling me once my non-armenian friend was telling me that she finds it so strange that armenians seem to be everywhere that we pop up in everything and you know like the the ottomans thought that they were doing something so incredible and that they were putting us to an end but you know in a sense we've kind of erupted into something new now they really can't get rid of us because we're all over the place and we're really spreading that Armenian influence. And you're you're aware of it. Like one of the things I had was what's it like being the descendant of an Armenian genocide survivor? And you're talking about it right now. Like you are well aware of that and it plays a role in your life, right? We are living proof that Turkey failed. Just think about it. I think about this even in my lowest points that even if I'm upset or let's say something doesn't go well, if I feel as if my life isn't how it should be, I still think to myself, wow, we are proving actual racist genocide committers wrong. How old were you when you first really started grasping what happened? I was roughly five years old and it was extremely oh. traumatic for me. I mean, I feel horrible saying that right now because what we feel as the descendants is nothing compared to what our ancestors went through, but it was something that really broke me internally. There's no other way to say it. And it was something that I, on one hand, kept me Armenian because I always wanted to fight for my people and for my ancestors and the Armenian cause. But on the other hand, it was something that really pushed me away from being a proud Armenian and actually relishing in my culture. You were five years old. How did you find out? So, I don't remember because 
I feel as if every Armenian, we naturally hear all these stories from our ancestors, from our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our parents. We always, it's just everywhere. Like you can really feel that sort of melancholic, painful energy. You have a lot of ancestors or not ancestors, but like relatives that you interact with and they are so depressed doesn't even cover it, but they have a sort of sadness in them that you can't describe. And you wonder why, like they don't speak much, why they don't really seem alive in their soul. But then you realize that, you know, they have parents that experienced this or they themselves went through this sort of event. And you understand, you understand why they are that way. It's something that's really important, not only with this, but in every aspect of life, like typically every aspect, people do stuff for a reason. I'm sure you can relate, but you know, as a child, you're told, oh, finish your food. Don't you remember how us Armenians were starving or how like the Turks wouldn't feed us this and that, or then you start to feel so horrible for having all these privileges, but in the same vein, you really embrace them. Like I was thinking about this today, I was washing my hands and I was thinking, wow, we have clean water here. But I wish my ancestors could have that. But in the same thing, I was thinking, like, how lucky am I to just be able to open the faucet and have water? I think about that all the time because I was reading that Armenian children on these death marches would literally suck blood out of their, like, clothing from their wounds and such because they had no water. They had nothing to consume. But how lucky are we to be able to just have anything at our fingertips? So, again, you know, being the descendant of a genocide survivor, it's given you a unique perspective that it's allowed you to be grateful in your life. Would you say that? Definitely. Yeah. It gives you such a sense of pain, but it makes you appreciate and understand all the sacrifices that your predecessors went through. And that can be a valuable trait. It, for a lot of people, um, they got to learn how to control that, that, that emotion because it can be, it can be overwhelming. It can overtake people. Um, but if you can learn to manage that, it can be, it can be a beautiful thing. So, but what are, what are some of the things you've seen from the Armenian community around the world today um, to sort of commemorate what happened? So first of all, there are many marches that are occurring globally and you know, all these Armenians are rallying together. People bring posters. It's like your typical protest and such. There are many organizations that are releasing statements about the Armenian genocide. Even President Joseph Biden released a statement today. And it is also very traditional for Armenians in Armenia to visit a certain site in Armenia called Sitzer Nakabert, or the Armenian Genocide Memorial in Armenia. Hello, am I cutting out? Sorry. <laughs> we can hear you. It's just frozen. Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was a funny picture. Okay. Oh, that's fine. No, but, we can continue. Yeah. So this Armenian Genocide Memorial was constructed, I think, sometime in the 20s by the Soviet government. And so a part of the design kind of is like shaped like that. It's very hard to describe unless if you've seen a picture. It really is like an arch- an architectural, I can't say that word, but like aesthetically very beautiful piece of art and it kind of looks like a mountain on the side but on the inside there's this sort of furnace and it allegedly has this fire that is never supposed to go out like eternal flame eternal flame Mm -hmm. and people always place wreaths and flowers around this flame there's also a sort of museum you can visit and there are many exhibitions describing what occurred i believe that there are statues around the site but there's also this sort of section 
And Conan O'Brien actually did a sort of video with his Armenian assistant on site where you can see that there are a bunch of names posted on these like plaques, I guess, of all these villages and towns that were erased in Western Armenia or in the modern Turkish state today. And it's just very, it's very haunting to realize that, oh, those aren't just names of villages, but those are entire Armenian communities. And one, you can't even imagine how many Armenian artifacts or Armenian churches, Armenian cultural sites have been entirely eradicated. And all that remains is just a memory of them or a name. How do you think it compares between people remembering this, say, outside of Armenia or people in Yerevan? Or how does it compare with, you know, soldiers now that are fighting in Artsakh? Like, is it a similar feel among everyone or is there a different feeling, do you think? I can imagine that it's the same for everyone. Like the pain is pain. It's just dispersed all across the planet, you know? And I think even people that might not be fully proud of their Armenian heritage or aren't even, let's say, fully Armenian or, you know, there are even Armenians by choice out there, but they probably all feel that same sort of pain. And, you know, I'm just saying pain, melancholy, sadness over and over again, but words can't describe how horrible that feeling is. You, you really don't understand it unless if you felt it yourself. But no, I really do believe that everyone tries to at least contribute somehow and mourn in some sort of way. How has the, how has what happened then correlated to today? And why are they remembering it today? Like, why is it relevant still, you know? So you see, it's quite interesting because many people really do ask Armenians, like, why is this such a big deal? Why are you guys still talking about it? And you see, it's very important that we still keep talking about it because Turkey has not acknowledged the Armenian genocide yet. They still deny that it occurred. I mean, recently in the summer of 2020, their current president, Tayyip Erdogan, during a speech even said something along the lines that we will finish what our fathers in the Caucasus started. And he was obviously alluding to the Armenian genocide and he was essentially stating that they were going to do it again, even though he and many other sorts of Turkic leaders have constantly denied that such an event has occurred. So you constantly see between Turk Turkish nationalistic groups or various politicians that they keep stating that, oh, it didn't happen, but we'll do it again. And we'll do it again, just how we did it last time. So which is it? I mean, you can't really, you can't really have both. Which one is it? Yep. And, you know, there's, an, there's a certain gag rule in Turkey where politicians or even the common people, they can't discuss this sort of historical event. I read a statistic where it said only 8% of the Turkish people knew the truth about the Armenian genocide and that like schools seldom ever teach about it. They I don't. Mean, all that They're not in Turkey. Yes. Not in Turkey. They don't teach about it at all. No, but yeah. when they do, they say, they state things such as, oh, the Armenians were traitors. They were going to go help the Russians. We, we, you know, got rid of all the sorts of like rebels and such, but it's like, wh why were you slaughtering innocent children and w women and children in a desert during this like deportation as they call it? Yeah, they said that they wanted to get Armenians away from the front line in the war because they were gonna be traitors. But guess what? They were de deporting 
Armenians in Constantinople, that's nowhere near the front line. That was on the complete other side of the country, and they're still deporting. It, yeah. It's just a cover, you know, you know. It's like, but. And it's like, I don't understand. Why didn't you just punish the rebels? Why do you have to use the common people as a sort of scapegoat? Exactly. Like, they are not the reason why the Ottoman Empire is in decline. And also, why would you why would you be surprised that there are rebels if you've been treating your Christians as if they're second-class citizens? Yeah. They have a right to rebel, but they don't, and you still punish them. But anyways, yeah. to this day, we see that Turkey doesn't acknowledge the Armenian genocide, and it's, very, it's a very unsafe environment for Armenians to travel in or even live in. I mean, we've even heard from some of our church friends, our Armenian church friends, that there are some Armenians where when they go to Turkey, they have different names. They have like more Turkic or Islamic style names that they don't speak Armenian there. And they have an entire Turkish identity because they can't really reveal who they actually are. And like I was hearing this horror story where apparently some Armenian that was pretending to be Turkish in Turkey he would have to like check his surroundings before playing Armenian music in his own home because he was afraid that his neighbors would find out and thus castigate him somehow. I mean, my one friend who is my age, her grandfather was stoned to death in front of her mother when she was six years old, just because his Turkish neighbors found out that he was in fact Armenian and had gone to visit Armenia or something of that sort. So hate crimes are still very prevalent towards Armenians and Greeks or other sorts of Christian minorities in Turkey today. And what I heard from my cousin, Mikal, because she was really into like our family history and going back in Turkey and like seeing where our relatives lived. Um, but even she had to be like super careful choosing which towns and villages she ended up going to. Like she couldn't go to Marash because there were too many nationalists there still that would, you know, act violently. Um, and then again, like you said, she, she went undercover um, with Turkish friends and but that was how she was able to do it. So it's still a very risky business there. It's still very prevalent today. Um, but people don't learn from the mistakes of the past, which is why I think Armenians are so outspoken about it. Um, you know, you're, you're self-included, right? It's yeah. cool. You're not afraid to talk about it, but it, it's, it, it's the reason for it, you know? Who will apart from us? No one. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, you see what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China. They're treated as second class citizens. It's still happening. So it's important we talk about it. Um, and yes, it is. No one else is going to talk about it if we don't, as it pertains to Armenia. But it's, it's also a broader issue for other people today. So like if we want, you know, Uyghurs to not have similar outcome to what the Armenians had, then everyone needs to talk about it. So um, it's, it's important to see such big demonstrations around the world today um, in remembrance of the Armenian Genocide. Yes. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, now, I know there's something that you wanted to hit on here. Um, you, you say Armenian culture is full, full of pain, full, full of, you know, living with what happened. And that is true to some degree. But there's also, you know, beautiful parts of the Armenian culture. Um, I, I just want to give, give you the stage here to talk about talk about the beautiful sides of Armenia. You see, what happened to us didn't make us victims, but we are victors. We are so much more than our pain. And I would like all the world to know that there is so much more about Armenians. We are not just the starving Armenians as they would describe us in the New York Times in the 1920s. But, you know, we are, in fact, our own people with a beautiful culture, language and country. So why don't we just 
discuss some fun facts about Armenia. As we all know, Armenia was the very first Christian nation. We became Orthodox Christians in the year 301 AD. Armenia is also where Noah's Ark was said to have landed because Armenians originated from mountain Ararat, which is now in present day Turkey because it was stolen by the Ottoman Empire during the genocide. But yeah, Noah's Ark landed there. And scientists have actually been trying to find some scientific Hold on, Miriam. You cut out again. <laughs> Give it a minute. It'll come back. It'll come back. Hello? There you go. There we go. Sorry. We were anyways, where was I? Where did I um, start? You, you left at scientists are trying to find proof. So yes, scientists are still trying to find proof of Noah's Ark landing in historical Armenia. But you see, the Bible also... And there she goes again. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, we're back. There we go. Where did where did we cut off this time? Yeah, you didn't get anywhere really, to be honest. Okay, so moving on. The world's oldest objects have also been found in Armenia, and some of them include the world's oldest shoe, winery, church that you can still visit to this day, the Maid Etchmiatsin, or Surp Maid Etchmiatsin Cathedral, I believe is the name. I may be confusing it with something else, but also the world's oldest sky observatory is located in armenia it's known as the armenian stonehenge so you see there's one in england there's one in spain but the armenians had it first there are also samples of the world's oldest brain tissue that have been found in armenia they're said to be like two hundred thousand years old or something of that sort so you can you can see that big brain energy originated from armenia right also we speak a very beautiful language, Armenian. Armenian is a very isolated and old language, but it is part of the Indo-European linguistic family tree. It actually is most similar to Greek or all these other sorts of, they're called like Paleo-Balkan, Balto-Slavic or something of that sort. Like it's basically very old Indo-European languages that are very isolated and have very few living relatives. <laughs> yeah. Explain, Anyways, explain, explain the difference. Between what? Western Ar and Eastern Armenian? I so there are two dialects of Armenian. There's Eastern Armenian, which is essentially modern Armenian. And there is Western Armenian, which is like the older or the ancient dialect of Armenian. So they are called Western and Eastern because Western Armenia was, Western Armenian was spoken in mostly Western Armenia, which was stolen by the Ottoman Empire and it's basically Anatolian Armenian or Anatolian Armenia and then Eastern Armenian was spoken in Eastern Armenia or the part of Armenia that was under the Russian Empire and is what is the Republic of Armenia today like surviving Armenia and such and so Western Armenian is you know obviously the ancient dialect it's a lot like how there's modern English but also like Shakespearean or old English and such but Western Armenian actually has eight grammar cases, while modern Armenian has only seven. 
And there really is not that big of a difference between them except for how certain letters are pronounced or how certain words are written. Also, they have different styles of slang and such. In Western Armenian, you will find that there is a lot of slang from Turkish or from Arabic because most Western Armenian speakers went on to escape to places like Syria or Lebanon or stayed in what is now present day Turkey and such. And both languages have been somewhat influenced by languages such as Latin or the Parthian languages or Farsi and such. There are some loan words from those languages. There are even some French loan words in Armenian. Medicine. But our alphabet, which is absolutely crazy, has 38 letters. It was made by Saint Mestrop Mashtos. I mean, good luck with Lots learning of, uh, all that. Yeah, yeah. It, took, it took me some time to get that alphabet down. <laughs> yeah. And hmm, let me think. You see Lord Byron, the English romantic poet from, I believe it's either the 1800s or the 1900s, but he has a quote where he says, Armenian is the language to speak with God. And he was known as the first Westerner to actually study the Armenian language and create the Armenian and English dictionary. Astvat. Yeah, that means God. <laughs> so on God. Have you heard the William Saroyan quote where he's like, Let, let's see you try to take two Armenians, mm -hmm. or let's see, let's see you try to erase the Armenians. They create a new Armenia yeah. or something of that sort. This is what's happening on Wherever the they meet, they create a new Armenia. <laughs> yeah. My mother has a t-shirt of that quote, actually. Oh, does she? Also, do you know what's funny? William Saroyan is the cousin of Ras Barda Saryan, who was the creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks. I don't know how you know that. <laughs> yeah, but the creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks was an Armenian, Rasbach Dasarian, and he had a stage name which was David Civil. And the Chipmunks's father in the cartoon, their name is David Civil. So the character David Civil or Civil or whatever, he's actually Armenian. Wow. Yeah. Imagine the ATM machine, the single-handed faucet, the hair blower, I know dryer machine thingy. The green color on the dollar bill. Were are all these all Armenian? Yeah. They were all <laughs> made by Armenians. The waffle cone for ice cream was made by an Armenian. You know, I've doubted you in the past, but every time I look up what you say, it tends to be true. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not propaganda, it's just history. <laughs> we'll take a few words for that. Snow <laughs> cones are Armenian. Yeah, snow came from Armenia, duh, oh, by no. the Mediterranean Sea, am I right? Yeah, clean snow from Lake Savan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. What other Armenian facts do we have for today? As we all know, the Kardashians are Armenian. The Rock's wife, Laura Hashian, is Armenian. Princess Diana, the late Princess Diana, also was apparently like 128th or 164th, something like a very small percentage Armenian, according to her DNA test. Isn't Cher Armenian? Yes, Cher Sarkisian was an Armenian, and her father was actually the one that instilled Sarkisian. this pride in her. My, my, Sarkisian is one of my family names, too. Yeah, Jack <laughs> Yeah, that means grandfather, guys. Yeah, I mean, my grandpa. grandpa um, also, hmm, let's see, what, what else is there? There were many Byzantine kings who were of Armenian descent. There were many 
I'm sure there were like some Roman generals or I know leaders that were also of Armenian descent since Armenia was part of the Roman Empire for some time. There was a time where Rome and Persia would fight for Armenia because they wanted us so badly. That was also when we had, uh, we, we were spread from the Mediterranean mm -hmm. to Black Sea, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see, what other fan facts do we have here? I mean, I could go on for all of eternity talking about Armenia. That's why I'm just sitting back and letting you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the Armenian flag that we have today, the red represents all the blood that we have shed and all the horrors that we have experienced as an ethnic group. The blue represents our beautiful skies and I suppose our natural resources or our mountains. And I believe the orange represents either like the grain of our country or like the hardworking Armenian spirit. There was also this proposed flag from I believe the early 1900s or like the 1920s or something of that sort around like the year 1918 or 1919 when the first Armenian Republic was being created where it was supposed to be like kind of like the rainbow flag. I remember you saying all over. And yeah. it was, I believe it was created by Martiros Sarian, which was a famous Armenian painter. And he was, he was known for using a lot of crazy or bright and warm colors in his artwork. So he wanted to make something that would reflect kind of like the warmth of the Armenian spirit. Have you seen the Western Armenia flag, like when they were trying to create an autonomous republic mm -hmm. and they made there their own Old Armenian flags, some of them looked, one of them I remember, I don't remember what it represents. I think it was like a proposed flag or something, but it looks a lot like Bul Bulgaria's flag nowadays. There was another that looked like the Russian flag, but it had purple for the blue strip. And that has nothing to do with Russia. It just like, it looks like- there one that had like stars on it? Mm -hmm. There was one that had stars and like daggers on it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then, let's see, what other Armenian flags are there? Well, there's a separate flag for Western Armenia that's still used to this day. It's like a lighter shade of blue and there's some either like some other Armenian symbols on there, I believe. The Soviet Armenian flag was not that interesting. I mean, it was basically like what we have now. Just with a hammer and sickle. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it spices some things up there. Yep, it really yep. changes things. And you're gone. It's okay, once she gets back, we'll wrap it up. Oh, there you go. There we go, okay. All right. I was just discussing more about flags and such. All right. Do you have any final remarks on like, you know, why this day is so important and how, how, how about how it pertains to diversity for change? Well, you see on this platform, we are obviously advocating for diversity, but also for change. And both of those are very important in regards to this entire matter and issue. You know, us being Armenian and such, it adds to the diversity and us discussing all the things that we have spoken about today hopefully will help make a difference, will help make a change, can hopefully educate more people, propel them to maybe take action and call their legislators or support more, not just Armenian businesses, but Armenian organizations or associations. Uh, I mean, Armenians always panic and we think that this won't make a difference or nothing will happen, but I mean, America accepted the genocide last year. So who knows what will occur? Exactly, you never know where it can go. Like kind of all it takes to get one person to exactly. Yeah. I mean, yes, we, 
reparations. So I'm waiting for mine. Yeah, that's going to be billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, they're going to. That's that's why they don't. That's why they don't do it, though. Seriously, if we're being very honest, the Turkish government just doesn't want to pay everyone and return all the lands that were stolen, bring back all these Armenian cultural sites and such, because they'll have to do the same for the Greeks as well. And at some point, there will just be no modern day Turkish Republic. Yeah, also, they you, can't, you can't really pay the Armenians back or reimburse them after all that we experienced. There's that's why that's why the normalization process is without preconditions. Mm -hmm. That's the way that they see normalization, which that's fair enough. You got you got to you can't forget such a big piece of history, I think. Mm -hmm. You really shouldn't. You shouldn't be trying to normalize anything with any country if that just means that they're going to pretend like nothing ever happened and that we are just crazy for uh, speaking about this matter. You can't gaslight an entire nation and then expect to be friends. Right. Yes, he's also thinking that too. Ayo. Tommy, well, anyway, any last thoughts here? Yes, I have a few final words. Thank you very much. Let's hear it. Meaning we are here or we are living. We must live and we must still multiply. <laughs> we are going to win in Armenian. We also have another. Okay. I remember and I demand. Send this to the Turkish Republic right now. You know my favorite? Yes, I know very well. Let's see if we can win Papiris Daina. Papiris Daina. These are just Armenian song lyrics or whatever. Let's see if we I probably butchered that. Was it good? I am. <laughs> oh, let's go. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it gets the job done. Okay. So you understood. Final words. Um. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Please follow us on Instagram. Um, long live Armenia. Long live America. Hey. God bless everyone. If you guys want to learn some Armenian, head over to Miriam's YouTube channel here. It's called The Miriam. Yes. She's got, she's got some solid lessons for you over oh, there. Yes. Thank you. You can I can't wait start till all of you fluent. Exactly. So she'll make you fluent. Yes. Our next Diversity for a Change podcast will just be entirely in Armenian. Completely in Armenian. But guess what? Everyone's going to understand it because our audience is going to have learned from her YouTube. So problem solved, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to stop recording here and talk.